I wonder if you've ever uh, been walking down a road and uh, perhaps you've forgotten your glasses or you're not wearing them. I know that feeling. And as you're going down the road, you see a, a person coming towards you. And you see them and uh, perhaps you nod and you sort of see them nod back. But then suddenly you hear a voice and the person you have seen starts talking to you and they say, it's me, don't you recognize me? Then you look more closely and you realize it's a friend and you have not recognized them. You had seen them in one sense, but in another sense you hadn't seen them. You'd seen them with your eyes, but you had not recognized them with your heart. You had not truly seen them. When in John's Gospel, uh, John, the Apostle John, disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, teaches us that we can have a similar sort of experience when we meet with Jesus. Uh, Those in John's Gospel, of course, saw Jesus face to face. Uh, We meet him through the words of John's Gospel. Nevertheless, we still meet him. But John makes clear uh, that it's possible uh, to see Jesus in one sense and yet not see him, uh, not recognize him in a deeper sense. I don't know if you noticed the opening few verses of this chapter, how Jesus is described as the light of the world. Uh, The opening verse in verse 18 describes how he shows us what God the Father is like. If you want to know what God is like, then you have to look at Jesus. If you want to know what God the Father looks like, you must look at God the Son. And Jesus declares the Father to us. Uh, He does this through creation, which was made by him and through him and for him. But of course, as John wonderfully explains, he does it even more clearly when he comes into this world. And the word, as it says, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Uh, John 1 verse 9 puts it this way. Uh, He describes Jesus as the word and the true light which gives light to every man or woman coming into the world. Uh, Jesus is truly the light of the world, and everyone sees him in some sense. But John makes very clear that not everyone recognizes Jesus for who he, should, who he is. Uh, They see him with their eyes, or they hear him with their ears, but their heart does not truly appreciate and recognize the significance of who he is and what he has done. And there are two sorts of people in the world. Those who merely see Jesus, and those who truly see Jesus. And in this room tonight, And watching online, there are two sorts of people. 
There are those who hear Jesus' words and in that sense see him, but there are others who see him for who he really is. And they see him with the eyes, as it were, of their heart. Uh, Peter, in his first letter, puts it beautifully. He says, to those who believe, Christ is precious. To that first group, he's not precious. He's there, can read his words and can learn facts about him. But to those who see him with the eyes of faith, with the eyes of their heart, he is precious. Uh, I don't know if I was to ask you what the most important verses in these opening 18 verses of John, these, these opening uh, 18 verses are uh, known as the Johannine prologue, if you want the posh word for it. It's the, the opening of this uh, wonderful gospel that John wrote Um, And verses 1 to 18 convey and uh, contain a a huge wealth of um, uh, description of Christ and who he is and what that means for us. Uh, But as I say, if I was to ask you what's the most important, what's John's central point in these verses, I wonder what you would say. Well, fortunately, we don't have to guess uh, because you may not have noticed it, but John very deliberately structures these verses in a particular way. Uh, You may have noticed how verse 1 starts with the words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Uh, It describes how Jesus, because that's who he's talking about, Jesus is the Word of God. He's the one who explains who God is. He's the one who explains what the hidden father is like. Just like words clothe thoughts, God the Son, Jesus, clothes God the Father and helps us to see what God is like. And if you look at verse 18, the end of this opening section that John writes, uh, John says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So in verse 18... John explains what he said in verse 1 and 2. And those are kind of like the bookends of this whole section. And it will be tedious to go into great detail uh, how the other verses mirror each other. Perhaps you might want to do that when you get home. And you can see, though, if you look at these verses, that John deliberately mirrors different themes. Working back from verse 18 and working forward from verse 1, you see the same themes coming up again and again, but it meets in the central verse. And the central verse is verse 12 and 13. Right in the middle, the central focus of John's thought, he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John describes the people who can become children of God, those who can truly know God for themselves, not just know about him, but know him for themselves. And of course, you might remember 
that this is the reason John wrote his gospel. If you go to the, towards the end of John's gospel, uh, he tells us that he's written this book that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing we might have life in his name. So that is what John's focus is. He wants us to see Christ, not just with the eyes of our mind as we read Christ's words in Scripture, as we learn things about him. But he wants us to see him with our hearts, to understand who Jesus is in such a way that we don't just know about him, but we give our lives to him. That's what John's aim is in this whole book, and of course in these opening verses as well. And what I'd like to do for the rest of our time uh, this evening is just briefly look at those two different sets of people and perhaps ask ourselves, which group are we in tonight? Uh, Are we of those who see Christ or are we in the group of those who recognize Christ? Uh, Let's look at the first group. Uh, You see they're mentioned in verses 10 and 11. Uh, John writes, He, that's Jesus, uh, was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Uh, This is very similar to what he's already said in John chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 5. He says, The light shines in the darkness... And the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus is light. He came into the world and he showed himself to everyone. He went and taught publicly in the land of Israel. But not everyone received him. They saw him, but they didn't recognize him. Uh, They saw his miracles... They might have been impressed by his miracles. Many people were. If you, again, as we, over the next few weeks, God willing, look at this gospel, we'll see many people saw Jesus' miracles and were amazed by them. But they didn't understand the significance. They saw the sign, but they didn't see the significance of the sign. Uh, they may only have been interested in what they could get out. Of Jesus. A little later, we see how Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And we're told hordes of people followed him. But Jesus told them, you follow me because you want the bread. You don't want me. And they proved that a little bit later when his teaching got a bit too hot to handle. And it says very famously in John chapter 6, verse 66, many stopped following him from that day. They wanted the bread they didn't want the giver. They didn't want him. They saw him, but they didn't see him. And as I say, everyone in this room is in a similar, if not identical, position. Uh, We're all seeing Christ. You're here. Uh, Your ears, I trust, are working to some degree or another. We have a microphone. Uh, Trustfully, you are still conscious and awake You are hearing God's words. You are hearing about Christ. But you might be like those who John mentions in the gospel, 
who did not receive him. Perhaps you're distracted. Perhaps you're just thinking about supper a little bit later. Uh, Perhaps you're wondering how much longer I'm going to go on. Uh, Perhaps you're thinking all sorts of thoughts, some legitimate and perhaps some less so. But the fundamental question is, are you seeing Christ? Uh, Are you drawn to him, or does he leave you cold? If he leaves you cold then you're in that first category, who Jesus came to, but they did not receive him. They said, no thanks, not for me. I'll take some of the things you give me, but I don't want you. But keep reading. Uh, John describes the other group. Uh, Verse 10, 11 describes those who he came to, but did not receive him. But look at verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Uh, These people, like those in the first group, they hear Christ. They see Christ. They see his miracles or they hear his teaching. But instead of merely being drawn to what Christ can give them, They're drawn to Christ himself. Uh, Jesus says to them, follow me. And they follow him. I don't know if you've ever really noticed the significance of when Jesus called uh, the disciples to him. And he went to the Sea of Galilee and he saw James and John and uh, Peter and Andrew uh, fishing in their boat. Or they were mending their nets on the seashore. And he said to them, follow me. And it's a short verse, but it's remarkable. It says that they dropped their nets and followed him. You think it's a small verse, but that's significant. That's their livelihood. They were fishermen. That's their source of income. And yet when they heard Jesus' call, they left their nets and they followed him. Why? Because they recognized him. They saw him for what he was. Not just merely someone they could get bread from. Not merely an interesting teacher. But someone they gave their hearts to. They received him. They welcomed him. They did not hold him at arm's length. They recognized the claim he had on their lives. So let me ask you, uh, pointedly this evening, uh, do you know Christ? Uh, Have you seen him in that way? Or do you just know about him? Uh, Do you recognize Christ as the person who John presents him to be? The creator of the universe, uh, the maker of this world, the master of your soul because that is who he is and there's really only those two categories Uh, there is no halfway house because to be undecided about christ is to not receive him we need to welcome christ 
and receive him for who he is. And when we receive him, God gives us the right to be known as children of God. In other words, he welcomes us into his family. But you might wonder, well, what does that mean? Uh, that's very religious language, you might say. It's very spiritual language. But what does that mean to be a child of God, to be a part of God's family? Well, John explains in verse 13. He says, who, speaking of those who receive Christ, who see Christ for who he truly is, verse 13, he says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John says very clearly that those who receive Christ don't receive him simply because they've made a choice to. They don't receive him simply because they want to. They receive him because God has so worked in their heart that they see Christ for who he is. When they see Christ dying on the cross, they don't just see a man hanging on a cross they see their saviour bearing their sin. God has opened their eyes to see what they cannot see otherwise. Uh, what John is teaching here is so fundamental. It's so important. Uh, the Bible teaches that we have to be born again. And the reason is simple. In our very nature... From the moment we're born, there's a kink. There's a, uh, more than a kink, there's a, a twistedness in our nature, which means we naturally hate God. We might like some of the things he gives to us, but we hate him, as is demonstrated by those people who follow Jesus for the bread, but once his claims got too much, they said, no thanks, we don't want that. And that's what we're all naturally like. We take God's gifts, but we reject the giver. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. It says the carnal mind, or, or the worldly mind, or the natural mind, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Incredibly strong words, but that is what the Bible teaches. By ourselves, we cannot please God. Paul said elsewhere in the same chapter that in me, in my flesh, there is nothing that can please God. For us to be saved, for us to be reclaimed, more needs to happen than just a simple change of behavior. It needs to be more than that. We need radical heart surgery, and the Bible calls it being born again. Unnatural birth shows us to be dead in sin. We need a completely new life, and you cannot get that 
by yourself, by simply making a few life choices, <laughs> by changing a few things. We need God, our creator, to step into our heart and give us new life. And the Bible calls it being born again. Let me try and explain it in another way to show how desperate our natural state is. Uh, the Bible teaches that we're born blind, and that's true. But it's actually worse than that. Because when someone's born blind, uh, it's not their fault, and that person who's born blind might want to be able to see. Surely all people born blind want to be able to see. And, and if a cure was to come, they would seize it with both hands. Because they want to see, but they're blind. But the Bible says that we're blind, but we have a deeper blindness that we want to be blind. That's the devastation sin causes in our heart. Not just that it makes us blind, but it actually makes us to cling to our blindness. So that even if a cure comes, we won't take it. Because we don't want it. We want to be blind. That's what sin is. Do you see how desperate that is? Uh, it's one thing for someone to be blind and yet to seize the cure. But what can be done for someone who sees the cure but doesn't want to take it? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing can be done for such a person. Which is why verse 13 says, God has to step in and he has to make us, as I say, born again. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the miracle of what the Bible calls regeneration. The miracle of being born again. That's what Jesus was speaking of. When a few chapters later, he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. We need a complete change of heart to enable us to see Christ for who he truly is. And when that happens, we don't just learn facts about him. We see him and we love him. We see his death on the cross and we say, that was for me. He died on the cross for my sin. And as Peter puts it, we see him and he is precious to us. Let me ask you again this evening. Is Jesus that to you? Do you see him as precious? Do you cling to him? Uh, do you hear his words and you hang on them as though your life depends upon it? Uh, do you hear of his death on the cross for you and your heart melts because you see what it cost Christ to come into this world then take heart you are of those as John says as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name but just to close you might be thinking but if God needs to step in to my heart, 
if it's God who needs to give me a new heart and make me born again, then there's nothing for me to do. All I can do is wait. If that's what you think, then you are entirely wrong. Uh, That is entirely the wrong perspective. The Bible makes very clear, if you want to come, you can come. That is the question. That's the question for each and every one of us tonight. Do you want to come to Christ? If you don't, you have no one to blame but yourself. Jesus opens his arms to you. As it says in John chapter 1, Christ came to his own, but his own did not receive him. If we reject Christ, that is our choice. But if we want to come, if we want to receive him, Jesus says, come. And whoever comes to me, I will by no means cast out. The ball in that sense is in your court. Do you want to come or do you not? If you don't want to come, you'll bear the responsibility for that choice. But if you do want to come, Jesus says, come and welcome. And he will make you a part of the family of God. All your sins can be washed away. You can look forward to an eternity in heaven. Not because of anything you've done, not because of anything you've accomplished, but because of what Jesus has accomplished for you. So let me close that question. Do you want Christ? Do you want him? If so, come. You're welcome. And with those thoughts, I've chosen as our final hymn, number 123. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. It makes the wounded spirit whole and calms the troubled breast. Tis manner to the hungry soul and to the weary rest. So let's stand to sing in closing, number 123.